Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hello, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thank you as well. I'm very happy that the clocks go back so we get an extra day in bed. Oh, God, I'm so pleased about that. I almost cry every time in, in spring when it's the other way around. <laughs> I know. I know. It just seems like a cruel trick Yeah, really, that does really not need cruel. to be played on us. Yeah, and also I, each time I have to look up which way it's going, I just can't can't work it out in my head. Oh, well, it's spring forwards, fall back. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, does that make sense? It makes sense, but I'm not sure I can remember it. Maybe I should embroider it onto a pillow for you. Yeah, that that would be nice. Um, I mean, the thought of me attempting that is quite yeah, fun. It, it's you know, not... Like, in four years, it will be ready for you. <laughs> I'm quite surprised you um, are suggesting it, but I'm very touched. Um <laughs> Well, just be touched that I suggested it, but okay. don't really expect anything beyond that. Okay. And um, the thought is there. Yeah, thank you. What You're else welcome. have you been up to apart from thinking about embroidering pillowcases? Well, apart from that, that's been the main thing I've thought about this week. But the other thing actually was prompted by my, my BA first-year students. I got such a lovely, sparky, fun group. And I'm teaching them, you know, I do that course on the sense. Yes. Mm. Um, and so each week we go through a different sense. So we did sight, then we did touch. And it was really interesting because there's so many theories about like haptic looking, like the idea that when you look at, you know, a painting or you look at a film or, or a fashion photograph, that you look with your eyes, but also with your sense of touch, that you're imagining how that would feel mm -hmm. as well. And so we'd been talking about that a lot. And then um, last week, I got out some things from the Harris Textiles collection. Yeah. So we had like metal lace. We had this 19th century bodice that's like um, like grow grain silk and got ruffles on. And we had some Renaissance velvet. It was all very lovely. And it was so interesting because they were saying, like the students were saying that when they looked at the lace, which is, I got out, two what they're each about like 15 centimeters wide they're like quite wide and one has got one is gold lace mm -hmm. 18th century and has it's almost like polka dots embroidered on it and the other one has kind of flowery shell kind of shapes and quite rococo and they were saying that when they looked at them they thought they were really light and airy and soft but then when they touch them, because I allow them to touch them because it's a teaching collection and they wash their hands and all of that, mm -hmm. they said it was really rough and it was really not what they expected. And it was just really interesting because then we started talking about how you wouldn't really feel it if you were wearing it because you'd have so many other layers on. So it would largely remain a visual spectacle yeah. for viewers. And it was just so interesting, that idea of what you expect something to feel like and then how it actually feels. Because it was making me think of, of like 1920s beaded dresses. Before I'd ever felt one, I always thought, oh, they're so mobile and they're so light and they're so amazing. And then they're so heavy when you actually hold one mm. and the beads quite drag down and... It's just such a different experience. And it was making me think of you because I was thinking there must be so many things you've got in store that have, have been like that for you. 
Yeah, it no, it is really interesting. Actually, the the first thing it made me think of, but maybe wrongly in a way, is nineteen thirties woolen bathing suits. Oh um, yes, but no, in, no, but that's part of it as well. But in a way, they probably did feel the way you think they would feel. Yes. When you look at but them, but then they change. Yeah, that's that, another thing that I think is really interesting. That's true. Is how they change. How how a fabric can change while you're wearing it, because it's really amazing. I think when you, like, when you look at like amateur film footage of people coming out of the water, in them, and they're just hanging in big, yes. soggy, mm. like they look terrible, and they must have been really heavy. I once, I annoyingly, I can't find it again, but I might make another effort. There was this really interesting short article about a later period when when which was worse in a way because men had started to wear just trunks so if you mm. wear if you wear the full thing at least it's held up on your body but, oh, if, of you, course. but if you wear woolen trunks <laughs> apparently you really had to hold on to them when you came out of the water <gasps> oh so, my god you really would wouldn't mm. you and it just seems like such a mad idea I wonder who first thought I know I'll knit a swimming costume because going in the water in knitted wool's just the best idea yeah I guess they didn't although they had sort of thin thinner stocking I guess you couldn't have made it really thin it would have been too revealing yes I'm, I'm just wondering how else you could have achieved stretch but I yeah I don't know but then they're quite revealing some of them again when you see amateur footage it's quite a surprise how revealing they are anyway. But then I think I think it's like, it, it's kind of weird because it's like with padded bras, which we've talked about before, that mm. like, I think sort of in the 30s, more body shape could be seen. Yes, because the underwear wasn't, happened. yeah, it wasn't yeah. so restricting. Yeah. Yes. But coming yeah. back to you... Um, mm question is actually particularly interesting for me this week because we I might have mentioned that we were going to photograph everything in the collection that hasn't yes. yet been photographed so um we we my colleague Tim Long who's who's now left he did quite a lot of work on it but we're now sort of continuing trying to figure out we have to do a lot of it on boards because we can't we don't have time to mount everything so we're gonna have to yeah. do it flat so, oh, right. so we have to, we, we tried, the textile conservator Emily and I, we tried to work out this week what size boards we need. So we took out 18th century gown, we took out an Edwardian gown, um, we took out a robe, all sorts of things, academic robe that we have, all sorts of things of different wow. shapes and sizes, but also smaller things to work out what how big the boards were. And the 18th, the 18th century dresses, I think often people ex- imagine them to be heavier because right. I, I remember the Fanshawe dress, which is our big mantua, which was on display for ages, but we thankfully now replaced it with something else. People always say, oh, it must be really heavy. And it's absolutely mm. not. It's really, really light. Wow. Because it's really light silk. So even though yes. there is quite a lot of it, it, it's still really light. That's so interesting. And I wonder... Because, yes, you would think that, because it's one of the ones with, like, the big panniers that come out at the side, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's one. Yeah, it's probably the widest one we've got. It's from 53, we think, 753. Wow. And, yeah, but it, it is actually really heavy. Um, and I wonder whether there are sort of other ones. Well, I think, I think that the... Um, I think that kind of period... You imagine things will be heavy also because some of them are quite 
kind of furniture fabric looking brocades mm. which look heavy even though they're actually quite papery aren't they yeah they're very light and they're very different from the late 19th century because another thing I, I got out was an evening gown with a, a train and a, and a bustle from the I think it's from the 70s but I always mix up the two bustles Mm. Uh, and also you can't really tell until you put it on the no. mannequin anyway and I saw for, anyway but that one is really like that one is heavy that is right. truly truly heavy because I guess it's also because a the fabric is much thicker but then there is so much um fabric underneath that, whereas the, the 18th century dresses they don't have that they they might be lined at the bottom or at the bodice top area but under, otherwise it's just the silk Whereas with the 19th century gowns, actually with them, what you see is what you get in a way, because they look yes. heavy, I think, and they are heavy. Uh, That's interesting, isn't it? So, yeah, because the 18th century ones, it's it's all the layers underneath that would... But then well, they would still they be light. Well, I wouldn't be that heavy, would no, they? No, no, they'd be... I mean, the, the skirt would... With I'm I'm talking high end here, but the yeah. the skirt would or the petticoat would be of the same fabric, and then you have your your chemise, and even the we have some side hoops. They are quite light, so yes. I don't. I think I think they wouldn't have been that bad. Uh, no, and they they look more like they'd sway a lot. Yes, more. exactly. And it was interesting when we were working on the mantua putting it on display, the Fanshawe one. At first, we had a very solid structure underneath, a fiberglass um, structure that was the same shape of the, the petticoat. We called it... Well, at, at first, we had a full structure. Then that was far too heavy, so we cut most of it off. So we just had the top bit, and which looked yes. like a U-boat. We kept calling it a U-boat. Oh but even that... <laughs> I think we did keep that in the end, but what I'm trying to say is when we had this really solid structure underneath, even though the dress is static, so it doesn't sway or yes. shouldn't in the in the in the display case, it made it look more heavy. Right. So in the end, we put underneath what would have been worn underneath. Obviously, not a real um, mm. a hoop skirt, but but a, a replica. But somehow that made it look lighter, even though it doesn't move. It's it. It was really weird. That's so funny. Mm, it was very strange. I didn't ex yeah. expect that. So we did it partly for practical reasons because the before we cut down the U boat, it was just too heavy. We couldn't have got it into the case. Yes. But but it also was much better for for the look of it. Yeah. No, it's so important, isn't it? Because, like for you, you're. It's obviously. It's like your experience of it personally, but then it's also what the visitor's experience yeah. will be and how they'll judge it, yeah, visually and as well as how, how it handles. Mm. No, I think it's really fascinating. And I think it's like, it's something you don't really necessarily think about. I mean, something I really find, I'm allergic to wool. So people will sometimes say, oh, feel this, it's so soft. And if I don't think before I do it I'll like put it to my face or I'll touch it and it feels scratchy to me but to them it feels soft ah uh, that's really interesting because there's there's another thing I keep boring my colleagues with uh, it comes up a lot when we talk about the new museum well maybe not a lot but sometimes it's it's something about empathy feeling empathy with 
with mm. people in the past. And I'm convinced, even though it's not evidence-based and I need to find something that I can read about it, that we're not the yeah. same people. No, so... we're not. We're not. And it, it's. I think it's really problematic. Mm. So I think while I totally am, you know, I'm for living history and I, I think you mm. can get a lot of interesting insights out of it, but I think it if you if I wear now an 18th century gown it's very different from someone in the 18th century wearing it just, yes just because absolutely my my experience of dress has been so different so I do wonder how you get to you know what it was like but I guess there are enough description of descriptions of what things felt like like well I think novels are often the best yeah well, because I, no, you because don't. they sort of develop out from factual and go into sort of imagination and emotion much more don't they mm. and I but guess I there are the odd snippets like I think isn't it the Duchess of Devonshire who says when the when the stays become really small oh yes she says how much it pinches her under the arm or, some, or something yes. like that yes but yes, I think definitely. these are quite That's hard really interesting. they're hard to come by these snippets they are and I think it is like you can't switch off your contemporary mind and set of senses and your awareness that you're wearing something different and even just like your hygiene level mm. and the hygiene level of the clothes would be completely different. Yes. Mm. So would alter your relationship between yourself. And also, you know, maybe if you were aristocratic, you'd be thinking about your clothes like that. But would you, if you were just yeah. working every day mm. and surviving, you maybe aren't thinking about them in quite the same way. Mm. I mean, there's some really interesting um, writing on saris and how they how they feel to wear. And that's really interesting about how, um, like, being able to sort of wrap them around you, the way that they wrap around you, alters the way that you experience them do you know what I mean that you're having to con you're constantly feeling about you're constantly feeling them around you and how you've wrapped them around you because there's there's a book um that Daniel Miller wrote with Mukalika Banerjee that I think is just brilliant in terms of how it how it sort of expresses the different ways that women use the kind of bit that wraps over the shoulder and then round if you see what I mean with oh, the, that's not, really interesting. With yeah. the sari mm. and how, how like it, it, you can feel like the sweat browning down your back and it's hot and then getting caught in the skirt bit of the sari, or how you might carry your child wrapped round in that. So you're holding the baby to to you and that. So it takes on different connotations, but just the kind of artfulness of the way you wear it and hold it around your body makes you more aware of it mm. which I just find so so fascinating yeah I guess it's also um wearing a, a dress say as opposed to you know skinny jeans and yes that that is gives you very different feeling yeah um, but also just just thinking it from this perspective of the wearer versus the viewer mm. as well is really interesting and also looking at paintings or photographs and imagining what those things feel like which I think you definitely do consciously yes. or not mm. but then the reality if you try those clothes on can be completely different mm. because suddenly it's on your body so it might fit completely differently to your body and yeah the way it moves and everything mm. 
You know, something interesting, um, I was um, talking to someone about the 30s exhibition Mm. and um, you know how I said when we talked last week that that I thought everyone was really slim. Yes. And it turns out that quite a lot of the dresses have actually been, um, how can we say, they've been made to look better on the actual mannequins so they right. weren't all as slim as they appear let's say oh that's interesting and that's yeah well i guess maybe that's a slightly that's a slightly different different no, but take. It, it's it, it's really interesting i mean i'm so ignorant i didn't even know until i worked with judith clark that there are historic mannequins mm. that you have to get a mannequin with the body shape that fits the clothes of yeah. that era i yeah. didn't even know that I mean, it's so obvious once you do your told, yeah. but it's kind of, yeah, it's it's very, very interesting. Well, it's again it's, this idea that a body is a body is a body. Um, yes. But it's it's not, or, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, very, it's very funny, and I think it's, sorry, I've just thought of the most ridiculous example, but I'm going to tell you anyway, even though it's ridiculous. <laughs> that just, I, was just, I was just then thinking back to what you were saying about how, um, you know, the way that things move around you makes them feel different at different moments. And in the summer, I had two experiences which were very funny that, that I had palazzo pants, like light palazzo pants that were obviously very wide at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But the problem was that, that Coda would run and get stuck <laughs> in the, <laughs> with them because he'd be wanting to walk around like right next to me. But because they flap, they'd like flap over his head, and his head would get caught. Well, so that that <laughs> so, makes I mean we should do have an exhibition of um, clothes from the dog's perspective. I know, but he does really like it when I wear um, maxi skirts because he hides under them. <laughs> <laughs> which again is difficult if I don't realize he has and I start walking but it's like he likes it because he can kind of sit underneath it and then peer out and people don't realize he's there I'm sure I've seen someone at, at a talk showed a picture of a woman either with a hoop skirt or a crinoline that, that I can't remember yeah. with smuggling all sorts <laughs> of things <laughs> underneath <laughs> Well, mm. I can smuggle him in anywhere with a maxi skirt. As long as we'll we'll have to practice walking in, you know, in steps so yeah. that I don't fall over. But yeah, so I mean so that's you're... that's another one. The crinoline, I actually, I would, I I'm, I normally yes. don't have much desire to try out historic no, clothes, but a crinoline, I wouldn't mind trying just to see what it's like. Mm. I well, it just. It just sorry. Can you hear Coda now? Yes, he's I going can. Insane. He knows um, we're talking about him. He does, and he he's like you know that respect my privacy. <laughs> but um, no, crinolines are really just such extraordinary things, and I and there's so many cartoons about them blowing in the wind and you know mm. revealing her bloomers and yeah, little dogs getting caught under them things, and and I think they're really interesting as like pieces of technology. Yes, mm. and and. I also think there were a lot of, I never can never say that word, patents, I always want to say mm. patents, um, taken out in terms for crinolines yes. and corsets. And definitely. I think there were some women inventors, definitely, and we have some corsets by one of them. Oh, do you? Yes, but but I think a lot of it, it was men. And, that's, ah. and, you know, it is really, like you said, it's a piece of engineering. Both of them are. 
Yeah. And I think that's, I, find, I always find that so fascinating that it's sort of, it's this sort of problem that people try to find solutions to and yes. it's quite technical. And But I guess so are brass and um, the more but technical ones. Weren't um, corsets made by men because they were, because the whalebone's really tough on your oh, hands to work stays with? Were. Stays, stays were. Stays were, okay. Mm. Um, so corsets, earlier. Yeah, yeah, I don't think corsets. Um, right. But stays. No, I was just thinking. Or, or the, the putting in putting in the whalebone was done was done by men. I don't think necessarily right. all of it. Um, what were you saying? No, just just because I was thinking then about how it would be really different different making designing corsets from the perspective of oh, yeah. solving a problem mm. than designing a corset from the perspective of I wear one so I want it to you know fit a, a particular way and feel a particular way just thinking because because it's also amazing I think in the, in the late 19th century the way that they become ready-made so the idea you're fitting your body yeah. into this incredibly constructed thing and it's standardizing bodies so much more that's true um, but I because guess, they have to fit the thing but i guess that's um again the same thing now with un underwear maybe i don't know i guess it's a bit a bit less definitely yeah i mean maybe with spanks <laughs> everything has to be sucked in i don't know there is a really good book about courses i'm just trying to find in in london um uh -huh. And this, the person who wrote it, she she found a, a diary of a staymaker. I think he's actually not wow. in London, but it's really interesting. How he talks about how he talks about remaking things, and then when I think when his wife is pregnant and she has some problems after afterwards, how he adjusts the corsets. It's it's it's, it's uh, the stays. It's really yeah. interesting. I'll try. I'll try and find it, and I will yeah, find it and send you really the, the, the link. It's a double barrel name that I can never remember, but I'll I will find it. Because it's interesting as well, the way we think everyone had teeny weeny waists, but that you didn't necessarily pull the the, the yeah. lacing at the back yeah. tight. So you might mm. be like five inches wider. Exactly. Yeah. I think than how... if it was pulled tight. How we keep them in in the store and how we show them, which is usually totally tied together, yes. is not necessarily, yeah, reflection of how how they actually were worn. Mm. Yeah, because and, and the, do you have any or have you ever seen the leather corsets that that no, working we don't, women used to we wear? We don't have any of those. No, and I, I don't think I've seen ever any. seen one because I always think that's really incredible because those were worn sort of outside your dress, weren't they? I don't know. Or am I? But but they always like amaze me because I because obviously they were never washed and they were worn all the time, and they're thick leather. And I just yeah, I don't I just think, think they, they were incredible. worn on the outside. I think they were just worn. I think they were worn like the other ones. They just didn't need that much right attention. Um, I see. Hmm. But I yeah, um, I might be wrong. I should no, know I more know. about this. No, don't. you don't have to know about this. <laughs> we can find out about this. Yeah, we this can. is what we need to do True. is find out about True. it. Yes. Yeah, because I think that's something that might feel really different because I imagine them being really thick leather and really stiff, but maybe they're not. Well, the, the ones that are out of cotton are stiff enough. 
Mm, I don't true. know whether the leather would actually make an awful lot of difference. Um, yeah. Because they are really they're stiff. Well, not all of them, but the the, the mid nineteenth century one. They are they are pretty stiff. They keep they definitely keep their shape without. They're just in one. They put yeah, they mold stand you. Up on their yeah. Own. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I'm not sure the leather would make that much difference. But again, I I don't know. I think we need to, we need to look into yeah, this. Yeah, we will look into our this. Homework. Yeah, homework this but, way. But what have you been doing? Because didn't you go to autograph ABP? Yeah. So I I yesterday yeah unfortunately it's a shame we couldn't go together it would have been really yes there are two exhibitions at autograph I'm think they might oh, have right. they might have dropped the ABP but I'm not quite sure um, oh one, really yeah and I one I'm not sure one they're both really good and I spent quite a lot of time there the one I want to talk about is by is Omar Victor Diop, oh I, I love think. his work I follow him on Instagram I think he's brilliant. Yeah, I I really really li- liked his work. There there are two projects that are displayed, um, all together in one in the in the big room they have downstairs. Yeah. Um, and the one I like them both, but one is called Project Diaspora, and what he's done, he's reinterpreted historic paintings of Africans from the fifteenth century to to the nineteenth century, so. One person, for instance, he used is a, a someone called Frederick Douglass, who oh, um, yes. son of an enslaved woman, and then he um, escaped slavery and he went to New York and he wrote three autobiographies. And he at, at some point somewhere I read he was the most photographed person in the nineteenth century, but I'm not sure whether that's true. Wow. But, but anyway, there's there's sort of several daguerreotypes of him, um, particularly one where you can see him wearing his patterned waistcoat underneath. His, yes. his coat so Omar Victor D.O.P he he did a self-portrait of him um in a in a patterned waist, waistcoat also in this sort of round well the, the daguerreotype is sort of oval but his his portrait yeah. is round and then he uses the same pattern of the waistcoat as the background as well oh wow and all the all the portraits and maybe there were 20 or more they don't totally imitate the original photo, and you don't actually see the original photo in the in in the yeah. exhibition. Or it might have been a painting or whatever. Mm. So they they're like them, but they're not they're not trying to be a total recreation. He calls them metaphorical portraits. Oh, how interesting! And they they are of course all all color, um, whereas maybe the source material wouldn't have necessarily been. Um, and it yeah, they they're really really interesting and. In the exhibition, you only get the name of the person and the dates and nothing else. Oh, that's nice. And then there is a separate room where you can sit down and then they have a paragraph about each person. And Oh, what a good idea. Because yeah, I don't really like reading texts, you exactly. know, when I'm going around. That's such a great idea. Yeah, they, they do have a handout, which you can also lend, um, download from the website, which mm. has all the text on there as well. But I didn't didn't want to like you. I just didn't want to use it. I just wanted to look at the pictures. And then, what what I also found really interesting, which maybe is more interesting for a museum person, they said at the bottom there's sort of four walls all full with these captions because there are a lot of people. Um, at the bottom it said these introduct uh, these are introductions to very complex historical narratives. They might contain inaccuracies or inconsistencies. We welcome editorial suggestions and oh I said, how 
brilliant. Yeah, I thought that was that was really good to say. Yes. Not to say we know everything. Yes, um, to be so open. Yes. So I thought that was really good. But the other thing that's interesting, so you, I looked at them, at the portraits, and they're mm. slightly different sizes, and but it's always um, Omar Victor Diab himself um, yes. in in some in different sort of dress and backgrounds. And then I, it took me a while to notice that some of them were holding a, a football and some were holding a whistle. A, <laughs> a few had like a goalie um, glove yeah. and so and football trainers as well. And so all of them, each of them has something related to football. And then I read about it and he says that how societies treat African footballers is quite indicative of what they think about race and that a lot of them are fated like stars but then people still throw banana skins on the field oh my goodness which is yeah when they play so that was really interesting as well yeah it's definitely definitely worth going I mean they are I really must try and go I really really love his work I think it's so compelling and it's I really love how kind of subtle it is that like the more you look, the more it disrupts expectations and the more you're drawn into thinking more and more about kind of colonial and empire and kind of racism and positive dif- and inclusivity. It's like it's, it becomes more and more complex as you think about it. I think that and they're beautiful just as they are really beautiful. They're really beautiful. And they again like what we talked about last time they sort of lots of different layers and yes also they they had um i bought a little catalog of um mama cassette i hope to say that properly oh, yes so there is also there's a sort of senegalese tradition of i think primarily studio photography but maybe not just so i think it's interesting that it's sort of in that tradition and mm. also i i i'll send you a link to i looked at two videos of of him yesterday sort of explaining his work and I I didn't realize he only started in I think his first exhibition was in 2012 so he was born in 1980 and he started off uh, working in finance because that's what his father does and his mother I think is a lawyer and all his siblings are doing that and then he switched to photography and he was successful quite soon when he switched to portraits there is another project that they've also shown, which is called Liberty, a Universal Chronology of Black Protest. And there are 12 larger photos and they relate to key events of black protests or events that led to pra- black protests, like Tra- yes. Trayvon Martin being shot. And they um, they are really amazing as well so they again show him it's always him or yes. uh, a female friend and sometimes it's multiples of him and they're obviously quite heavily um worked on so they're often a back, black background but then they always also have flowers in them either in front or in front yes. and above the figures and and they're yeah they're totally mesmerizing as well and again him in some sort of makes some sort of nod to clothing appropriate to what it's depicting but not again not totally trying to recreate it um so they're they are really great as well i have to say because it's Mm. only on this week isn't it yeah i think it's until the third of november i must go and it like you say they're sort of compelling in themselves 
but also I've I thought they're like a history lesson by by stealth in a way yes exactly which is the best kind yeah you then you then I spent quite a lot of time I mean there's so many people I didn't look them all up yet but Mm. they're yeah, I spent quite a lot of time trying to look up all the people he he bases his portraits on, and yeah, that that is really a good thing. So yeah, really, really worth going Amazing. to. And I just want to say a few words about the other one because I feel yeah, like yeah, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, please di- tell me. So the the other one is upstairs, and it's someone called Apita Shah. Again, might not pronounce her name properly, and she was born in India and lived in in India and Ireland in the Middle East and, and now lives in Scotland, is based in Scotland. And um, it's called Sacred Cloth. And it's, um, I'm not sure how many, maybe 16 or so large colour portraits of women wearing a veil, but not all Muslims, so different um, religions. And yes. And she wanted, she said, she wanted to open a dialogue between the South Asian women she collaborated with and she wanted to show to viewers that there are different reasons for varying and different traditions for varying the veil. And they're really, really interesting as well, that you always get a name and then a sentence about why, you know, just something explaining, explaining a bit. And some are... I think that often happens with these kind of portraits. So I've seen that before. Some look a bit like 17th century um, Northern European yes. portraits. There's particular one, um, but they were they were really great as as well. And I spent quite a lot of time as well. And it's all ages. It's young women and older women. Yeah, different kinds things I hadn't I didn't know know about before because I only know. God, what too exciting! Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Just I was thinking, what exciting things to see together yeah yeah no it's there there and I hadn't I hadn't been for a while and it made me think this is ridiculous I must I must really must make sure I go to every exhibition yeah I I think it's just it's it's just one of the most important places in London I think Mm. to visit it's just so so good and as you say it's quite stealth it's all quite subtle but so intelligent and sophisticated and beautiful the things that they have there. Yeah, and it, and particularly this that you it makes you then follow up. Definitely, it's not you know many exhibitions don't do and don't have no, to. I mean, they don't have to, but no, but, they don't have to. But mm. it's it's really nice. It's really satisfying because I took my students there last year um, to the storeroom and they got out so many boxes of just like one amazing photographer after another. And they were really lovely, like the curators and the education people were so lovely and so generous with their time. And it was the same with me that I then went home and I was like looking up all different photographers. I was going through their archive online. And it, it you know, that is like such a sort of, I don't know, an accolade to them mm. yeah. for, for inspiring that. And, you know, even jaded people like us who go to <laughs> millions of exhibitions every year. And, and I always feel really like, inspired and up and like yeah. yes how interesting oh well i must definitely go yeah i will find time okay that sounds okay good. well wonderful yes we should maybe end there yeah and yes. your homework and i'm seeing Start you this homework. week with my students yes you are that's true that's, that's great. super exciting yeah. too yeah okay well i'll okay. see you on wednesday yeah see you on wednesday all right bye then bye bye